obviously I was on the Barbie side of TikTok, but I haven't read any like literal reviews or critical analysis on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, oh, maybe then when I, when we're done recording, I'll go in and read stuff. And then my outro will be like, so you listen to Barbie. (laughs) So you listen to Barbie. Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous with a side of to all the men I've tolerated before. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, Natalie Katona and I discuss the Barbie movie. This is a dual recording, meaning that we are sharing this audio for our respective shows. So it might feel more like a still comfy episode than a traditional Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous episode. It also runs a little bit longer than our normal stuff. And while I generally am against episodes longer than an hour, you get Natalie and me in a room and we can't be stopped. So here we go to the show. Obviously, it was on the Barbie side of TikTok, but I haven't read any like literal reviews or critical analysis on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, oh, maybe then when I when we're done recording, I'll go in and read stuff. And then my outro will be like, so you listen to Barbie. (laughs) So you listen to Barbie. I don't read reviews or headlines unless they're real clickbaity. Um, I've only read the discourse on the cookie chats. Oh, in the cookie chats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen people keep sending me headlines like, oh, can we stop talking about Ken or you're all missing the point about the movie or Mm -hmm. like on and on and on and on and on. And I'm just like, that's okay. Like, I don't know why, but I don't necessarily want to have this exhaustive discourse about the barbie movie right because at the end of the day i went and saw it a second time and it's so fucking slapped and i'm like why are people complaining why do we always have i am the biggest complainer i have yes. a podcast about everyday misogyny yes there's which... nothing i love more to do than complain which is and... why i love you which is why we love me and we'll get into it when it comes to the kind of it all but like i walked out and i told you no notes <laughs> no Thank God for feminism and Greta. Like Right. And 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 same. And you know, I saw it four times. So you saw it like, four times in rapid succession. In rapid succession. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> and then again the following Thursday, Friday. Um and I agree. Like I so oh, okay, so let's let me let me because I've told let's you start. Let's I've start. told you multiple times. There's a lot of things I've been waiting to say. Like I'm not engaging in the discourse in the chats either uh-huh. that we're in because I was waiting for today to say these things. Because you know, once it's out of my head, I can't bring it back and I can't remember what right. the fuck I said, which is why I had to start a podcast. But my I am a firm believer in the whole intention of this film is gender swapping specifically white people gender swapping yeah which a lot of people are on board for and i'm just like i still think we'll talk about it let's let's do it <laughs> let's just dive in <laughs> I'm, I'm on tiktok live right now too while i'm doing this 
it oh, because uh, i'm like mama needs money mama mama looked at all of her um mama looked at all of her accounts today and none of them were great i don't know why so... it doesn't tell me when you're live i don't know i don't know how the tiktok notifications work oh there it is i had to i had to go into following okay yeah. i mean they won't hear you because you're but... i know but i can see you so but now they'll be hyped can... about our Barbie episode because they only heard half of the conversations. So yeah, and I feel a... like me watching helps your numbers, right? Correct. It always does. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to, I have 20%. So we're just going to let that go for as long as it can. <laughs> as long as it will. I do need you to ask your child because he's hip to the hip. Why is it that whenever I'm on TikTok live, some random man tells me that he loves my wig? I feel like I'm being harassed. <laughs> and no one I, will tell me why it's a thing. I don't know either because I understand it to be a microaggression for black women. Right. And as we know, I'm white. I'm a white. Yes. Okay. So let's just dive into all Got of it. it. So. Okay. As you know, I am a firm believer that this is a gender swap specifically for white people film. Right. Because how else could Greta do that? She is a white woman from Sacramento. 916. 219. <laughs> That's where I grew up. <laughs> people get tattooed here. Like people. Oh, it's do a big, they? Yeah. Like, so I'm in the 209 and people who move from like the 209 to 916 will do 20916 or like. 20916 is a, is like a legitimate thing so because it's 209 is right next to the 916 i have no idea how i feel about that and i'm just <laughs> gonna have to reflect yeah but that's not why we're here we're here to talk about barbie so do you want to kick us off because in like i'm breaking normal pop culture makes me jealous tradition i have read no articles i have read no reviews i have read no criticisms i'm coming in to this discussion with having seen the movie four times correct i thought that a very cute way for us to start off the show and the barbie talk so that we walk forward with love because that's what we want to do for margo and greta and i guess ryan gosling <laughs> yeah <laughs> america ferrera america ferrera um i thought it would be cute if we went into our favorite memories of barbie or like how barbie entered our lives I do like that. Thank you. I wish more people were actually doing that as a trend instead of showing me what their men do for work. I don't care what your man does for work. <laughs> I don't Be care. And especially in the conversation of the Barbie chat, like my best friend and I walked out of the movie and we were like, if you know Barbie lore, mm -hmm. the Barbie universe, mm -hmm. it's even better. Because <laughs> it was like Mattel was like, here are the keys and access to our librarian. <laughs> That's me with the keys. Yes. Um, like we're live right now or so. I mean, you yeah. are, but like not, this isn't a live chat. Um, I, there, I feel like Barbie's always been, because I love, I've always loved dolls. I've always loved anything that I can dress up and make pretty, like all of it. And, and 
my the very first Barbie I remember buying for myself is actually in the opening credits of the movie. It's the Barbie with like the neonish swirly type dress with the very mm-hmm. long hair. Like that's the first Barbie I bought for myself. So people have been buying me Barbies, but I had my own money and bought that Barbie because I was like, look at all that hair. <laughs> the hair. The hair. Barbie hair. Barbie hair is also such a part of the experience, which I feel like they could have gone into more about like the care and the upkeep of Barbie hair. Did you ever have the Barbie head that you could do like the haircut? Okay. My sister did too. And then it was a hand-me-down to me. And then at some point I cut off all its hair and that was it. (laughs) And now no one will see that Barbie. Now she's just, what do you think happened to all of the Barbie heads in Barbie land? Ooh, do you think do you think they're in that really scary like museum type thing that happens in the wizard of oz sequel that i traumatized myself with but not many people did um yeah i actually have i've blocked out the sequel i've seen it but i had to block it out um you remember she goes into like a building yeah that's a great question so just rows I just, of heads and jars it's like it's like that toy story scene where the doll gets attached to the thing from sid the next door neighbor like i guess i just envisioned that being it but tell me your barbie experience uh, sure so really the um the i have two memories that coordinate with barbie and the first is i like many children played too hard with a barbie (laughs) and made a weird barbie and i was behind like a large piece of furniture in my like childhood home my first childhood home and i was hiding behind there because i had scissors and i had like a mission and and i cut off all of my barbie's hair and my mom came and she found me because she's so nosy and she just started screaming at me because she had assumed that i cut my own hair (gasps) she did not care that i destroyed the doll but like we lead with cursing first and questions later and it all worked out but then my second we used to spend summers with one of my older cousins so that would be on my dad's side since i'm the oldest cousin on mom's okay um she would come and spend a couple of weeks with us or sometimes all summer with us or a while with us. I don't mm-hmm. know. And she, she was, she's 10 years older than me. So we would produce a Barbie reality TV show. Love. Or no, reality TV show. We had no concept of that in the, but just in a the TV early nineties. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, a soap opera. We called it like Sophia's story. And there were like plot lines and like, you know, love triangles love and that. no one had a job but we were all very rich and yeah 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 because honestly it's barbie's world you're playing with barbie like mm-hmm. my cousin had a playroom it was wall-to-wall barbie shit it, every barbie you could ever think of all her outfits all the accessories i literally have no idea how my aunt was able to afford any of that one of my cousins had a off-brand barbie a marbie i don't know <laughs> and it was supposed to say Barbie. Marby. Barbie? I don't know. Barb? <laughs> um, it was supposed to say Babs. it's like Barbie with a with a Y. <laughs> um 
It was supposed to, it was one of the ones that could talk if you pressed a button in its ass. Oh. And so it was supposed to say, welcome to my party. But she was clearly like getting down low on the, on the voice box and the like battery of it all. So it instead sounded like, welcome to my party. <laughs> and I was Ooh. a child, I was a child. So I just did a type five on bathroom jokes. Yeah. And I think that's when cousins couldn't be friends anymore. Like my cousin was so super pissed. I think I had to go home. I think I made her cry. Aww. And that's, I mean, that's comedy kids. I wasn't making fun of you. <laughs> I was making fun of potties. <laughs> right. right, right, right. I will say that the commentary I've seen from some of the, um, black creators that I follow who are very much doing anti-racist work. They are discussing how this is very much white feminism. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I, there, I have to hard agree with that because it's, there is a level of privilege in Barbie land and now Barbie land is diverse, right? Like it's yeah, definitely well, more diverse now in Barbie land than in reality. <laughs> And I think that the validation in saying that it's white feminism mm -hmm. as a white is that white feminists just like to assume that if everything's nice, everything's fine. Right. So like Barbie land is beautiful and there are overweight Barbies and there are, um, Barbies differently, yeah, differently abled Barbies and, you know, true ally Allen and, <laughs> but so the whole i think that white feminism is like purposeful in it because she keeps saying like i just don't understand we fixed this and like yeah. white women believe that every time we march we're like yeah. get on us we fixed it yeah <laughs> yeah you know now that you say it it might be uh you know one of those satirical commentaries on what how how sort of white women approach feminism and and all that it's involved because when everyone was talking about like oh Greta Greta's letterbox interview she talks about the however many movies that are influenced that influenced her making this film or whatever and I knew that I mean we all knew that the Kubrick influence because it's the opening scene and then she had commented in an interview in passing in a different interview about how like, oh, and there's others. I thought she meant there were other Kubrick references. I didn't realize until I saw the letterbox interview that there was like a shit ton of movies she was referencing. So I went back because I've seen clips of it on TikTok. So I went to letterbox directly to watch the full 13 minute interview. And she goes movie by movie, specifically which scenes were impactful. And then in watching that, I was like, okay, that makes even more sense to me on why specifically like Ken gets a dream ballet and Barbie doesn't because it's always like, it's, it's in reference to G, you know, Gene Kelly movies specifically. I think she said American in Paris, which is one of my favorite films ever. Gene Kelly is the crush of my 1950s dreams that didn't have you seen the have you seen the Broadway production of An American in Paris? Because no, it's like one of the most beautiful sets. You, you ask me these things like I get, like we get Broadway shows here. 
I live I in Ohio. To, I, I mean, literally have to drive an hour and a half, sometimes two, and then and then it's always on a fucking Wednesday because I, you know, people who live in San Francisco or Sacramento can easily hit the theater on a Wednesday. Not so much for this. I went girl. by my. <laughs> I could get like a really good teacher's discount for that one. And I went by myself and I was like, no, I want to see this. And it was like one of the most beautiful shows I I've ever that. been to. I love that. Cause American in Paris is such an, is such a beautiful, like just the dancing, the sets, all of it. Like it's got one of the best dream ballets I've ever seen performed. And then, you know, singing in the rain was another influence that she talked about. And again, that has a dream ballet within a dream ballet. And so like, when I saw this interview, I was like, this, okay, now this fully makes sense on why certain things happen in the movie and Ken gets all the whatevers and Barbie doesn't because she's pulling like the source, what she's inspired by, like mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know, maybe she didn't want to like reframe it for the women, but I don't, I don't know. It just, to me, it was like the answer that I needed, I guess. I don't know. I have a really hard time swallowing that like the women were afterthoughts in the Barbie movie mm. because for me, and I think what it is, is that we're, I think in my head, we're like conflating women empowerment with misogyny awareness. Ooh. And to me, the Barbie movie is a misogyny awareness movie. Like, oh, look, Ken spent. 15 minutes in the real world and he was like and now i am a destroyer of nations <laughs> mm. yeah that's actually a really good point not actually like because you're not smart or anything but because i didn't think of it either <laughs> yeah i think and and for me that is like what an empowering move for greta for her to make an entire movie about the jokes you and I make about patriarchy all the time. And that's, that's the other part of it too. Like I walked out of it and I was like, I fucking feel like if Natalie and I had written Barbie this or a movie that sort of satirizes the misogyny of it all, this could have been it. And I think that when you, you kind of changing your head about it being like anti-misogyny propaganda, um it it very much feels like we let men in on the joke and their mm -hmm. feelings are still very hurt yeah but we let them in on the joke like this is what we understand to be going on in your fucking heads whenever you mistreat us or colonize something or anything like that and they they get to be a part of it because it's pretty mm -hmm. and like I'm still convinced that Rob Thomas doesn't understand why his son was picked for the movie. Well, when he, what was it? Was it the Us Weekly or People or one of them where they like reached out to him and were like, hey, what did you think about it? And he's like, oh, I thought it was great. And it was like, like you said, like, do you, did you see this scene that it was used for? Because like, sir, <laughs> have you listened to the lyrics that you've written? Because like, to me, there's no bigger joke and no like letting women let loose better than a Ken doll, a beach full of Ken dolls, <laughs> making dead eye contact with a beach full of Barbies being like, I want to push you around and I will and I will. And it's like, oh, <laughs> your expectation is to like put me down 
and yeah. you will and you will yeah the whole song is about taking me for granted which mm -hmm. is what we've built the patriarch we have t built the patriarchy on the shoulders of taking women for granted yeah and that's part yeah that's i think that's one of the steps of you know the patriarchy because in order for there to be success, you have to have someone at home caring for your children, for your home, doing all the things for you. So you don't have to take up the brain space. And Ken really does kind of get into that. He's like, you never think of me. You never do. And it's like this. But Ken, dear, this is Barbie Lend. She don't have to think about you. She don't have to care about you. She don't have to do none of that shit. This is not your world. You're just Ken. And I think that was like part for me that was part of the commentary of like the different but then the difference being is that barbie was like wow i should have like not i should have but like the difference being like barbie saying oh i didn't realize that by not paying attention to you you're it was hurting you actually <clears throat> so for me that was a modeling of how you handle it when you've been a shit and i've called out well and also i feel like during that moment, of course, I like tilted my head and and I was America Ferreira. Like America Ferreira and I are the same type of broken in this movie. We're chain smoking cigarettes and we're like, don't you dare apologize to the fucking yeah. himbo because yeah. we've been hurt. <laughs> like he stole your house. He stole my he stole your house. Brainwashed all he, your friends. He brainwashed all of your friends. He took your White House. He like deep like he colonized your entire nation because he was hoping ponies would show up and like so i'm america ferrera in that scene where i'm like we don't apologize to men but then i saw a really i saw like 30 seconds of a really great TikTok today where it's like they keep calling barbie feminism 101 but that's mm -hmm. because the barbies needed feminism 101 they never thought the kens would have done this right because to be fair, the Kens were taking advantage of how perfect the Barbies had made Barbie land, and they were completely satisfied with that. Mm -hmm. Right up until Ryan Gosling showed back up and was like, what if we could get horses? <laughs> and I thought it was actually brilliant for her to for her to give him the line. I lost interest in horses when I realized or patriarchy when I wasn't when I didn't, when I realized it wasn't about horses, because how many men are being also crushed by the patriarchy because they're not allowed to have full emotions. They're not allowed to, um, stay at home with their kids. They're not allowed to do anything outside of the prescription of you are man. You are man, you man, you, you man, man things, you love money you love and power. power and you know that's not that's not for everybody like that is a system that is harmful this is a system that is harmful to everybody because there are select few who are actually thriving within it and those people are miserable too <laughs> yeah and i will say that you know jules and i we did um what we went into hiding after the barbie movie because yeah. we knew that should anyone bring us any criticism about the Barbie movie, I personally was going to cry and never leave my bed. Yes. I was like, how dare you? Greta wrote it for me. Yes. It was my summer present. How dare you? I am living the summer of the era of Barbie. Mm -hmm. I'm girling hard. 
this summer. Yeah. yeah. My hair is purple. I'm chaotic bisexual Barbie at gaming conventions. Like, don't take this from me. Like, let <laughs> don't me fuck with my vibe. I am a woman who speaks weekly, sometimes multiple times a week about patriarchy and misogyny. Just let me have this one. Mm -hmm, like, I'm mm -hmm. doing the work. I'm deprogramming. I'm trying to lead others towards deprogramming. Let me do the, let me have this one movie. Let me have the pretty pink movie without having to think about it too hard. So I left the movie. Th I had chills the entire movie. I told you I didn't cry that first time I saw the movie mm -hmm. because I was too delighted that this was the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so, and I think you and I have talked about this before, because I think you're the only person I've talked in depth with already about Barbie, everyone else like you. I'm like, I'm hiding. Don't ruin it. I'm on a good high. Um, so I saw it three times opening weekend. So the vibe was very much hyped up and everyone was into it. And the crowds were just so cheering, laughing, crying, clapping, all of the things that you want in a movie theater, which is an experience I love. I love that that shared and collective emotions, but it's still very individual for the person, unique to the person, yada, yada. The second time I saw it was the second weekend, much more subdued audience. So I was really able to get into my true feelings about the film because I I wasn't getting consumed by the audience reaction, which isn't a bad thing. Like I loved being a part of the audience reaction. I loved, like I've mentioned, like I've said, I love being a part of that. But the first time I saw it, the montage with all the women, my initial thought was, wait, are you telling us that we are supposed to just be like moms? Because I'm not here for that. Because Greta, just because you popped out two babies doesn't mean that we all need to, was kind of my first thought. And then as I saw it more and more, I got something different from that montage every single time. And then the fourth time it was, see the beauty in being a woman. Like here's Aww. the beauty about being a woman. Because there was a lot of feminine joy in that mm -hmm, montage. Mm -hmm. And I think people, I think what happens the first time you see it is you see a bunch of kids and you see a bunch of women raising their kids. And you're like, I don't want Barbie to be pregnant. Right. Midge didn't sell. It's an entire <laughs> joke throughout the entire movie. Um, <laughs> no. And everyone's like pregnant Midge from the 60s. I'm like, bitch, no. Early 2000s. Get your facts straight. <laughs> Early 2000s. She had twins up in that belly. You popped it off with a magnet and out they plopped. And they were just like little, they were like a cross between a fetus and a baby. Because, yeah. Because, and you couldn't play with them. You just no. shoved them right back into her. And there was a lot of controversy because there, Midge, where's the dad? Alan doesn't need to be sold in the box with Midge. Calm down. Well, I think there's a lot of controversy because like we talked about on pop culture makes me jealous when we did it's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. People are still very uncomfortable with the idea of viewing pregnancy. Yes. Like, and like pregnant women having full range of emotions, being horny, you know, like all the things. Like, Well, and just like the act of childbirth, like, well, yeah. if I tell my kid that women have children, I might have to say the word vagina. Right. <laughs> I mean, they weren't even allowed to say pregnant on television until, I don't know, 20 years ago. Right, because it insinuated that someone got dicked down. Mm -hmm. But so, but I think you're right on that second, like I saw the woman bowling and I was yeah. like, oh, 
it's a montage about feminine joy. It's not yeah, a montage because, about mommy, me, and you. Because that moment when you she hit when she bowl and and everyone's happy for her and she's got this bit and it's just this crowd cheer. It was just like I like wept at that point. Um, and then when you learn that Greta had said to the cast and crew, send in your real videos of people that you love that show us, you know, joy and love. And then you realize these are all real women experiencing real joy in the real world. And then have you seen that interview where the interviewer is like, hey, Greta, so like fun fact, one of the people that's in yes. that montage is my friend who is deceased. I know when he says it's it's a dead lady in that montage and he and he tells her she would have loved this movie. Yeah. Like, thank goodness she gets to be a part of it because she would have been such filled with feminine joy. And let me tell you something about feminine joy. Um, feminine joy is the quickest way to make a misogynist mad mm -hmm. and the quickest way to snuff them out. And here's my story. Um, as you know, um, pre-sale codes for at the day that we're recording now for the second leg of the Eras tour went out last night. And so people people be doing their ceremonies. Yeah. They be they be lighting candles, they be listening to Enchanted three times in a row while turning clockwise and facing the sunset. Like people need codes. Mm -hmm. So I take a bunch of my joyful Eras photos with Stephanie in my outfit walking up with my friend Darcy when I take aided and I make a little montage and I put it on TikTok and TikTok is clearly nicer than me because I think only women ever visit my page but then I throw it up on YouTube and within the first 15 minutes the only reason it was picking up traction is because men were fat shaming me oh god and I was like and I was like, this is why you hate the Barbie movie, too. Like, you're convinced that if we have joy outside of you via Taylor Swift or the Barbie movie or fucking Girls Night, every mm -hmm. night should be Girls Night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that literally, literally, there's no purpose for you because we also get to have our own credit cards, own land and all of it now. So now. And instead of just like rising to the occasion to be like, what if I was more fun? What if I like didn't take every opportunity to make my female partner mad and smash our wedding cake in front of all of our family and friends? Guy with the sword. <laughs> instead of like doing that, you guys swung the complete opposite direction and was like, what if I just yell at them every time they smile? You know, it's interesting. So a couple of thoughts in my head when you bring these up marginalized joy is always a threat to the patriarchy apparently because the same reaction happens when it comes to black joy second to that another thing that i thought of when you were speaking was the overall threat of how we can be independent when really the response should be how much better would it be that i married you or partnered with you because i want you and not because i need you to pay my mortgage and here's the thing. I didn't need the Barbie movie to tell me that. Right. I have been telling men that for years. I've been making TikToks about that. Mm -hmm. Or I've been commenting on other women's TikToks about that. About the fact that, like, 
I didn't find myself in a really bad situation and therefore right. thought I need a man's pension. Although right. ABC, I am up to being the slut on the Golden Bachelor. You just yeah. call. <laughs> There's no other way I'm getting a pension, but you just call. Um, I didn't find myself in a very dire situation and immediately ran down the aisle. I fucking chose you. Like, what a perk. You, right. get, to walk, you get to walk this earth because every day be like she chose me because on the other side of that coin the other thing that pop culture tells us is men never want to be number two they never want to be the second choice so then so then but if this guy if if guy number one who has all the things i need so i'm not unhoused and hungry but chose someone else and you're number two what do you want me to do about that like sorry like like sorry i'm so sorry help us recreate society so the option isn't i gotta marry this super wealthy guy if i want to be able to not sleep on in my car yeah yeah um yeah um also the second time that i saw it i got over my anger of the ending Mm. and my confusion because as you know my first um reaction was an america ferrera act uh i'm broken inside reaction where i'm like why would you spend 24 hours in the human world and be like you know who i want to talk to more human men no (laughs) barbie no and why didn't rhea perlman tell her absolutely not (laughs) will you go and live in the world of men i'm i'm convinced that that's why the aliens won't actually touch down because they know it's bad here they're like we can't hang the white men will kill us right they know they know they know that they've probably got a cousin underneath the pentagon (laughs) so i do you hear about what they did to my cousin underneath the pentagon (laughs) underneath the pentagon in area 51 um but this time i paid attention instead of just letting the chills and the yeah my giant clown smile happened and it was it was the only way she got out of that assumption that will ferrell made where he's like well the next part of her story is she's gonna let ken move in she loves ken and she's like i don't love ken i have not liked him once in this movie (laughs) yeah and the and so here's what i love here i loved a lot of things about this film but to tie it into what you're talking about here's what i loved Barbie's presented with a with a high heel and a Birkenstock. We have all been in that crossroads at some point. Some women are still pro high heel and for different reasons, and that's totally fine. But the symbolism of the decisions of do you want to keep living naively in this world or do you want to grow and become enlightened? They just happen to be represented through a pink high heel and a Birkenstock. Mm hmm. We've all been there and some women choose to ignore it. And which is part of the problem with white feminism, because they're like, oh, we're only going to worry about our white problems. What do you mean, black people? Why do you always make it about racism? That's dumb. It uh, kind of shit, right? <laughs> did you like my face when I yeah. did that noise? Um, the Barbie movie made us so mature. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, Greta. <laughs> But then to like bring it to the very end and she steps out of the car and she's chosen the Birkenstock. Like to me, that was her saying like, I'm 
more especially when she's like giving ken that speech at the end like you can be more than just ken i didn't read that as her giving ken the speech i read it as it started out as ken's speech but then she's like oh i should be listening to what i'm saying to ken too yeah because this whole movie people have been trying to tell me who i am and what i am but i need to figure that out for myself and for me, it's like a really great parallel of women who move out of their homes, mm-hmm. whether it be your family home, your partner's home, whatever, and they have the after divorce glow up or yeah. they have the I'm just a small town girl living in a lonely world glow, glow up where it's like I got out of this situation that made me comfortable and made me never want to grow. Yeah. And but I knew I'd never discover anything about myself there. Yeah. Cause growth is scary. Like there's a reason why it's very much encouraged at the age of 18 to move away and go to college because I'm looking at 40 real soon. And I'm like, I need, and I'm working on deprogramming the thought and mentality that our culture has is that you can't do that at 40 but you can Mm -hmm. because I've experienced a major life change. And so I can't be the person I literally cannot be the person I was five years ago. It's not physically possible anymore. So like, I love how she's like in this sort of coming of age situation, because we also always assume coming of age is only relevant for when you are a teen, but coming of age is really just having a major change in your life So she's having this coming of age moment. And while people are very upset that she's choosing to live in the real world, she's done all that she can do in Barbie land. Mm -hmm. That's there's, she has to figure out her next steps. Like you've said, like there has to be more to life, to her life. And even people were like, Oh, and then, you know, with Barbie land, they just go back to the things they were. And like, that's so dumb. And I was like, I'm sorry. Did anybody else hear when mother was like, you know, said something and then Issa Rae, President Barbie was like, excuse me, we're not doing that. We're not going back to the way it was. Right. I don't know if people are interpreting that as be- uh, we're not going back to the way it was when the Kens took over or we're not going back to the way it was when it was just us in charge. I read it as we're not going back to the way it was when before the Kens took over. Right. Because the Barbies have also now grown and learned from patriarchy and like they need to figure out what it means for them like to live now either cooperatively or some sort of mixture of like major like some sort of new version of matriarchy or what but i don't read it the end as anybody going back to the way things were (laughs) because number one if Issa ray was just be like Oh yeah, we're not going back to the Ken way of doing things. Yeah, well, the Kens got to do their way for like three days. Of course, he's, right. what a silly thing to tell mother. Like, right. And like, what a silly thing to assume that that's what like mother meant. <laughs> like, but are we ready to talk about how I don't care? I don't care that people think that this movie was very unjustly unfair to Kens and men everywhere. Like, I oh, do yeah. not care. Yeah, let's I, get into it. So I think that line the we're not going back to the way things are i think if isa very specifically were yeah were i think if isa ray had then turned to alan 
and said, Alan, we want you to head up the Department of Psychiatry. But instead, she turns to Kate McKinnon and mm -hmm. Weird Barbie offers a genuine apology to be like, hey, we did you dirty. Yeah. And we are so sorry. And she's like, I'd love to clean up the dirt everywhere. Can yeah. I be in charge of sanitation? I think if they had pivoted to Alan, at no one no one would have ever said and now they're just they're just going to indoctrinate the men and the men are going to continue to be homeless ken's didn't look homeless we just don't know where they lived because yeah, we didn't care <laughs> exactly because we never cared about where our kens lived ever the thing about that scene too for me natalie is how she it to me it showed even in a female-led and run society we are still we still have the potential to be bad to each other mm -hmm. because they were so oh weird barbie i don't want to talk to weird barbie oh my god i can't weird barbie and then they full on were just like weird barbie come and join us and kate mckinnon improvised that line apparently the sanitation which I, yeah which i love because she's brilliant and i miss her on snl well, and here's but, the thing about but that's the other part of it where I'm just like, they're not going back to matriarchy because she's saying like, we are becoming more inclusive. Is it more inclusive for Ken's? I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I literally don't. I want it more inclusive for Alan. And if the Ken's get like privilege out of that too, like just cast off like secondhand privilege okay yeah <laughs> but, yeah but and the thing about weird barbie is that kate mckinnon was everyone's biggest supporter yes she was the first one to tell you that she loved you she was the first one to be like we got to deprogram all these bitches from patriarchy this isn't how we're living you're right. a Nobel peace prize winner <laughs> right which i loved and i loved that i loved that because it, it reminded me of Black Widow when Scarlett Johansson and Flo go and try and like deprogram all the women and there's that powder that sort of takes them out of it. Mm -hmm. That's what it reminded me of where it was just like, we just got to give you this little bit of knowledge and then you can come back to us. But you don't fully lose the consciousness of what it was like when you were under the spell, but you remember enough to know that that was bad. It was bad. It was a bad time. And honestly, if it were not for Fox News, I do think that that's how easy it would be to deprogram American women. Because the, everything yeah. that America Ferreira said is true and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like, I, I have to breastfeed you, but I also have to suck your cock. It doesn't make sense. Make it make right. sense. Right. <laughs> right yeah i i'm not a proponent of cable news period like well, no who is i know a lot of people who are on the other side who watch a lot of cnn and sometimes cnn says things where i'm just like no it's all just part of the propaganda <laughs> machine but that was also the beauty of barbie is that even with pa patriarchy they didn't have a sense of media or propaganda right <laughs> because it was all still too new that you could easily just be like girl you sure you're right. a Nobel peace prize winner <laughs> right right and that's the other part of it too that i think so here's here's another thing that another thought thing i had that i was saving for today because like, like you might you commented on how a lot of people are talking about feminism 101 I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, maybe there are a lot of women who still need this sort of basic message. 
you and I have had conversations offline about how there are people in our lives who are pro-equality, but then yet there are aspects of their lives that they're still choosing to do to uphold patriarchal standards. And I think because all of us are in a different place in our journey of womanhood mm-hmm. and our understanding of where we fit, there are women who are going to sit through this movie and weep and feel seen and feel understood and feel heard and then are still going to go back to their role in patriarchy because their hand they feel their hands are tied. And then there are women who have broken from it and have deprogrammed it from it enough that they're going to be pissed and annoyed that this was the Barbie movie we got. And then there are going to be women who are like, I just am going to enjoy it and I didn't and it's fine. And then, the, you know, so there's a lot of options here with how we feel about this film and how people feel about this film. But I think as long as we still have a large subsect of women who are feeling seen and heard, but then not empowered enough to change their position and start to deprogram from the systems that oppress them, the message is never going to change. We're always going to see sort of this feminism 101 type of concept coming from female-led films. Right, because, at okay, so while we are all on different steps of our journey, and maybe I'm at feminism 401 or whatever, because I have a podcast. Yeah. As a country, <laughs> as like the overarching country, mm-hmm. I would still be like, oh, we're still at feminism 101. They just took my abortion rights away this summer. Right. <laughs> right. They don't want me to have body autonomy because then they know I'll never marry them at, in a shotgun wedding scenario. You know, we're not going to do such a sex education because then how, why would we want you to understand how your body works and how to prevent pregnancy? Uh, look at what's happening in Florida right now. I mean, I know Florida is making a lot of headlines for what they're doing, but it's like, if it's being upheld in ways that exist, like you're mentioning losing our abortion rights and all these other ways. So those are like plugs back into the system to keep us from breaking out of it. And I think that, and it goes back, I feel like our country is way too big and not in population. And I mean, like in culturally, because California's, what California can do and the people who live in California. And when you think about all the progress we've made in California versus what's existing in other States, it's almost like, how do you create an art piece like a film that's created from IP that is for everybody when all of our country is in various States of distress? Well, and that's why in all of the dystopian novels were uh, broken up into at least 12 districts. Right. Like the, the first thing that happens in dystopia is that they're like, America is too big and therefore we will section it off based on land masses. And then Europe just gets to watch us and be like, look, we're so silly. Notice how none of the dystopian novels take place in europe <laughs> take place in europe they're always just fucking watching us yeah that's true that's a really good point because it is really frustrating sometimes because i live in a red community like mm-hmm. where i live is red and sometimes purple and so it's like when people are so mad that it's feminism 101 i'm like no i went and sat in a movie theater 
with women who are not getting messages or affirmed that they have autonomy in my Californian community. Yeah. There are so many things that distract women from their own power and their own belief systems and their own goals. Mm -hmm. And it is motherhood. It is wifery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is girl boss culture. It like, there's so much at play when it comes to being a woman. Yeah. Being an African-American in America, being a trans woman, a trans man, being any part of the queer community, any part of the non-white community. There's so much that's going in your head at all times that there are days where I'm feminist 101 and I'm like, carry my heavy bags for me. I am weak and my wrists be hurting. <laughs> and it's just because and I think one of my bullet points is this idea that like the Barbie movie couldn't do enough for us because women can't do enough for us. And we've right. been told that for eons. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's almost like, what? okay, so I understand, you know, we need to have this conversation about Barbie. Like that's a huge thing about like, oh, why we didn't like it. It had this conversation so important. I get that. Like with black films, why is it that we expect a film for a specific community to answer and be the answer for everything? Mm -hmm. Like, why can't it just exist? Right. Why can't it just exist? Like, did I want more Issa Rae? A hundred percent. Always. I did. Because I, I am a little, Issa Rae. <laughs> a little uncomfortable with how much they've used her for the press tour prior to the strike for how little she's in the movie mm -hmm. but that's that's a different conversation <laughs> no i and i get it ken is in it a lot but he's also the villain because <laughs> i was thinking about that the other day i was like who who would be the barbie land villain if it were not ken capitalism will ferrell but he lives in the real world. Right. But I'm assuming in this movie where we're not making Ken the villain, um, the real like Mattel starts fucking around with like Barbie cannon or whatever, and it starts to affect Barbie land. Mm -hmm. And therefore they have to go like kidnap Will Ferrell. Like in the alternative version? Yeah. Like in the in the in the version I just wrote in my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I know, because a lot of people are really upset with how much screen time the Kens get and the Kens have. Oh, well, let's prepare ourselves for something we never thought I would say. Okay. Movies about misogyny and patriarchy and allowing women to talk about misogyny and patriarchy are the only stories you're ever going to catch me say. That's exactly the type of movie that men should be the center of. Mm -hmm. Fuck Superman fuck the justice league uh thank you greta for making sure that women never have to sit through the nine hour justice league uh, ever okay, can, again can we just talk about how when she when that joke was thrown in about seeing the Zack snyder cut of the yeah. whatever it was justice league spider-man yeah. superman i don't it's justice league <laughs> i fucking howled i died because 
every movie bro on the planet is like, this is the greatest cut of all time. You don't get it. You get so much more out of the nine hours. No, and I when don't. I, when my son and I, when, when it was finally on demand, my son and I were like, okay, well, let's watch it because we didn't see it in the theater. We missed it. And we turned it on. And then we were like, four hours this movie's four fucking hours are you fucking kidding and then an hour and a half into it it's like this movie is dumb like this is such a this is this is dumb there's no reason there's no there's reason, no reason. For, like i mean i think we finished it but it was like begrudgingly i was told to break it up into three parts and i was That's like three fucking movies if i have to break up a movie into three separate viewings you can go fuck yourself is basically what i'm saying so if we if greta's true goal was i am going to use barbie as a platform mm -hmm. to present feminism 101 to women who have bad partners i don't know yeah. what greta's like <laughs> I mean, Greta had to work with her husband on this movie so that it could even get made. Right. So maybe Greta's feeling some things currently. I don't know. Call me, Greta. We can talk. <laughs> so if Greta's whole point is I am going to make a giant machine of just patriarchy and misogyny awareness, the men have to be at the center. It is their fault that we have patriarchy and misogyny because we have been screaming about all of these ways that they could be making it better and they do not. And they just whine at us like, oh, my God, my, one of my favorite parts is when Barbie's like, I just have to take 10 seconds to breathe and think. And immediately Ken is like, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm I bored. Hate it. I'm I so hate bored. it when people think. I hate it when people think. What am I supposed to do when people think? <laughs> That's what men have been doing about, like, pushing back on mis on misogyny and patriarchy awareness. Why do you have to talk like that? Why do you have to make it out like we're all part of the problem? I go, because we're all part of the, it's we, we're all part of the problem yeah. because we've all lived with internalized misogyny. Yeah. I don't understand. Why? Why? I'm a good man. I'm a good man. Okay. <laughs> also, what I've learned in dating is that if you tell me you're a good guy, you're not a good guy because good guys don't tell me, they show me. Here's good guys here's never a, talk about how they're a good guy they're just a good guy and here's what we all should have taken away from the barbie movie it can happen to all of us it took right. ken 10 minutes he went to one office and he's like i should get to be a doctor yeah <laughs> i have something like, sharp <laughs> right i should be able to do surgery so i think the more deprogram this is what deprogramming looks like for me currently as a feminism in course 401 the reason why men are at the center of the barbie movie is because men are at the center of misogyny and patriarchy so now women are dumping their boyfriends and their husbands at alarming rates and we know i love that i'm always mm -hmm. promoting that but it's me walking through my everyday life as a human woman going, is that my friend talking to his wife like that? Mr. I'm a good guy. Yeah. Is that my friend sitting through her boyfriend completely disregarding her needs? Like any, but he's a good guy. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. Is, is that me watching my friend get passed by on a promotion because she's so emotional and may have a baby one time one day is that what i'm watching and it's just 
they have to be at the center of the movie because they're the problem. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the problem. I'm. Yeah. Oh my gosh! If we cut this as a soundbite and the incels find out that I actually said it, that they're the problem. <laughs> We'll have I'm, to put you in witness protection. Program. I know. I might have to take to the woods. Yeah. But this whole idea that, like, well, I just feel like the Barbie movie could have made a stronger point. It's like, what strong point have you made today? <laughs> Let me know. Well, and that goes back to our conversation about our friends who do believe in feminism and equity and equality and all these things, but yet their entire lives are still upholding the systems of patriarchy and they're raising their children in that and they're not doing anything to stop the cycle um of not uh, there's stop the cycle of the patriarchy so that way the next generation can do a little bit more and move a little bit more forward and that's the part that's where i am in my level of you know feminism is that i don't have time i don't have the patience i have never been a person where men have shown up for me it's always been my fault that I'm a single parent. It's always been my fault that I can't seem to find a job that pays me a livable wage. It has always been my fault for the reason why my life is the way that it is. And there's never been any grace given to me for the systems that are in place that sort of kind of get in the way that I'm struggling to navigate. And now at 39 years old, I'm over here going, I'm not fucking playing those games anymore. I'm done figuring out my own shit. You can either be a loving, supportive person or you can get the fuck out and not everyone's there. Well, and the thing of it is too, not only is everything my fault, but it is also my responsibility to find the grace in it being my fault and that's why barbie had to apologize to ken because we've all apologized to make sure that we live one more day you know i saw a thing that said how amazing is it that barbie lives in a world where she can reject a man's advances and not be fearful of the consequences because that's a reality too that we live in and you know it is very we do have to and i hate it when people are like oh women are so calculating is it if it's negative it's like well yeah we have to figure out how to stay alive every day right i am the only person who is ensuring that i live to the next day Mm -hmm. because i have as we know dumped made uncomfortable made insecure so many men that it is a miracle that i stand alive today i just feel like none of my exes or the men in my life have the energy the gumption or frankly give a damn about me enough to actually murder me so well and that's the i mean and that's the thing that's like this whole like oh it's men bashing it's men bashing and it's like well think about all the movies that we you and i have discussed or just that get discussed on my show in general where women are portrayed in a very negative way uh-huh. And and it's the mentality of like, just be grateful that you even have a character who represents you, who's a woman. Is right. our, do, why do we have to do more than that kind of mentality? And I'm not saying that like Greta was like, oh, we're going to do kind of the same thing. What I'm saying is, is that we are not allowed or afforded the opportunity to be flawed. We have to still have everything perfect at execution and i think that's why it kind of bothers me whenever when people are like oh this movie sucks like they could have done more it's like we haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to do more 
like you Correct. said earlier, like you can't expect the first time we do, you, we don't have a ton of stories to go on. Like I was on a podcast a couple weeks ago that was like, what is this movie like? That's one of the questions. And I was like, nothing, no notes. I have no notes. After spending time on TikTok, there's been a lot of comparisons. And the one that stuck with me the most is Black Panther. Mm -hmm. You have this interloper who comes in and says, hey, look, this is how the world is other places. We need to do that here. And then destroys a society that's been isolated forever. And that's essentially, you could say Black Panther or you could say Barbie because both of those things are true. Mm -hmm. My, where was my point? My train derailed. <laughs> Great, Julia. I, I got to think. <laughs> I got to thinking about Chadwick Boseman uh, he's and so Michael hot. B. Jordan. Also hot. <laughs> Get back on the gram, Michael. We've been missing your post. But I guess my point is, is that a lot there was people criticized Black Panther too. Yeah. So until we have like an industry that is truly equitable for the people who are creatives and wanting to tell stories. It's hard. It's hard for me to criticize. Like I, I, if I'm gonna criticize, I think I want it to be in the root of, um, something constructive rather than just like unrealistic. I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because sometimes, because I feel like some of the general criticisms are just like unrealistic. Well, and I, and again, there was no winning. If we had just made a fun Barbie movie, if it was just literally like the live action. Yeah, the princess and the pauper, <laughs> a classic Barbie film. Um, if it was just a reboot of Life Size, I truly feel like it would have done okay at the box office. It never would have been the number one. Like we've we've gotten some play, ladies, out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I mean, right now we beat Oppenheimer. <laughs> We beat Oppenheimer, and that's about a bomb and a war. And men love to cry about bombs and wars. They <laughs> like... sure do. The other thing that I think about, too, with this film is how a lot of people were like, well, we didn't even know what it was about because the marketing. Da -da -da. And I thought, okay, I feel like if they had given us a full three and a half minute trailer, it would not doomed is not the right word, but it would have been a, a created a self fulfilling prophecy of failure because how do you create a trailer for a movie that's about intellectual property that isn't going to leave people feeling like it's not worth it to see it like right. i think that they could have made a trailer for it i think it was intentional for this for us to be sort of in the dark about the truth about what was going to happen in this film because the internet you give us a little bit and everyone's gonna jump on it and critique and criticize and never give it a chance or you could just do this fun party type of marketing campaign to get people excited and hope they show up and then they did show up and then they did um i also have a note on my outline i just feel like i'm not doing enough today to be very smart about all the things i wanted to say about barbie and you <laughs> and today i wrote in my journal i was like this is gonna be the easiest recording of my life because jules has been taking notes for four weeks about uh -huh. what she was. 
about I what know. she wants to talk about about the Barbie movie. And I just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Fucking <sighs> Lord Jesus, help me. So when America Ferreira, I think I think we discount the I didn't play with Ken line from America Ferreira and then Barbie being going going, yeah, he's irrelevant. <laughs> People have completely missed that line. You and right. I have had this conversation. But I think also that line is a direct reflection and a parallel play moment and a dump into America Ferreira's marriage because right. we don't even know that she has a husband until we're well into the movie and then the kid's like should we tell dad that we're going on barbie vacay and america was like why <laughs> and i was like fair because <laughs> that and even when she says i didn't even get to go on that trip that i won because yeah. of whatever reasons i was like that's like my vacation time and it's this moment of like yeah all of my vacation time whenever i had vacation time was used for you know taking my kid to do something that needed to be done none of it was actually used for vacation it was just to supplement my income so that way i didn't lose my income because something happened that i had to cater for and care for someone else like there were so many little things like that as well i do love that it was america ferrera's real husband in real life Oh, I didn't know that. Good for yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's not that bad at Spanish. That will make me very upset. I wouldn't, be, I would be surprised because I, she's fluent and yeah. I wouldn't, I would imagine she speaks with her children in Spanish. I would, if I was bilingual, I correct. Feel like what was it? Oh, it was, um, I don't know if anyone watched the prime show, the power, but all, no because uh, i want to read the book first got it but in it like it's the guy from the menu louise it's not louise guzman i don't know but anyways he's there's a lot of people in the menu there's a lot of guys in the menu the, I need he's the movie producer that my fake internet friend amy carrero from critical role is the uh, assistant for but anyways, he teaches his kids in that show fluent Spanish and Tony Collette can never actually understand what they're talking about when they speak in fluent Spanish. Are you talking about John Leguizamo? Yes, that's exactly who I'm talking about. Okay, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. I, it was killing me. I needed to know. That's okay. Lewis was in my head because I got to give Lewis a, another fr fake friend of mine from the internet from Critical Role a friendship bracelet on Saturday, so clearly i only have room for one man's name in my head <laughs> but yeah the like i didn't prioritize ken and therefore i subtly put into my subconscious i don't have to prioritize this man right. over whatever it feels like i have to do right now i'm saving barbie land why should he get a an opinion right ken is completely superfluous um i <laughs> And I told you this and I shouldn't have because I should have saved it for today because as we know, if I say things out loud before I say them on the show, I forget them and it's hard for me to bring them back. I am shocked that people missed that line because it's as they're traveling back to Barbie land and yeah. she and, and to me, it felt very in my face, making it very clear that Ken is not an item we are concerned with. Therefore. 
answering the questions, like all the complaints that people had about all the Ken stuff. I was like, that answered it for me because everything else after that came back to that one line. Right. You know why the Kens had time to have like choreography dance battles is because they don't have jobs. Right. (laughs) They're not. That's why they had time. They're not. They're not in Congress. Because and and so for me, it was like, we're setting it up. Ken is superfluous. No one plays with Ken. I don't know anybody who played with Ken. And when Ken did come around, he very he 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 served a very specific purpose, and it was yeah, and it was mashing them together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, of course I played with Ken. I created soap operas with my Barbies, but it was literally just like, yeah, smash, 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 right? scissor, 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 scissor. Right, right. Which, um sorry, should we get a sequel should we get a sequel and i know that it's like controversial about whether or not we need a sequel but should we get a sequel i would like said sequel to focus on america ferreira finding her happiness again mm. because i do not think that one trip to barbie land is enough no but it did sort of piece together her relationship with her daughter and i know a lot of people are really upset about how that didn't get enough attention again not mm-hmm. the point of the movie but I do feel that the resolution where her daughter leans her head on her and then she just like grabs her in her arms. I thought that was a huge moment because how often are relationships with teenage daughters and mothers contentious and the the lack of physical touch is present. So for her to for her daughter to physically touch her after recoiling from her in every memory we're given in her middle school life completely for them to go through this thing to save Barbie land. And she wants to lean into her mom and feel affection that way to me was powerful. Yeah. With that said, the sequel thing I've, I've heard already that Greta's like, absolutely not. I'm not in charge of a sequel. Secondly, I don't want this to turn into a bring it on situation where you have this very powerful first movie that talks about all these social dynamics and racial issues in such a beautiful and easy to understand way to make sequels that are literally just about cheerleading. I don't understand why not. (laughs) I don't understand why not. Natalie! I love a good movie that's only about cheerleading. (laughs) I do. I I love there are certain like um dramatic oh ballerinas dramatic cheerleaders and dramatic figure skater movies i'm like yeah <laughs> i'm gonna watch that i mean yeah but don't call it bring it on well yeah also but that brings me to the fact that capitalism ruin ruins everything so they had to call it bring it on even if it's not a bring it on movie right because they were like, people will accidentally watch it on Netflix if it's called Bring It On. Correct. Correct. It's like, it's like, can we get a Frozen situation? Mm-hmm. Frozen? Okay. Frozen 2? Fucking phenomenal. No. Man, and I told my sister, I was like, you <laughs> just wait until you hear this I'm Just Ken song. I was like, because it's better than I'm Lost in the Woods from Frozen 2. And she's like, nothing <laughs> is better. <laughs> Then Kristoff just being like, I'm lost in the woods. It's singing about how Anna doesn't even notice. I love it. 
the thing I want to go back to the dream ballet really quickly, because I think I did say in the interview I did a few weeks ago, it reminded me of Gene Kelly. It reminded me mm-hmm. of the Gene Kelly dream ballets that are in like every single one of his fucking movies. Like, did this man make a movie without a dream ballet? If he did text it to me, cause I've not seen it. Um, and I've seen almost all of his movies. Um, And I thought that, and I just, so I really loved that. And I didn't hate that it was the Kens that had the big number because it felt very much like he, he's having a moment and he's trying to figure it out. And he's going through this sort of identity crisis again. Um, and I just thought it was so beautifully done through a dream ballet and it made me so happy. And I don't know my bias because I love fucking dream ballets. <laughs> also, I think that when you say that the Ken's got the only big flashy number, it's a real insult to that opening number of yeah, Barbie. Well, I'm, I say that because that's what other people are saying. Yeah, no, but, but I, I, I'm talking to them personally. I'm like, yeah. do you not, we had glittery jumpsuits. Fuck we yeah. had Ken making incel face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was, I mean, people, no one's learning the Knuff, uh choreography on TikTok. No. They're learning. Everyone's learning the Barbie dance yeah. party. Mm-hmm. When he's like, Barbie, can I come over tonight? And she's like, sure, nothing's going on. I just have like a really big disco party planned with the girls and the other Kens. And we're going to do choreographed discography. And he's like, cool. <laughs> and every night is girls night. Uh, it did break my heart when she said not every night had to be girls night and i was like every night is girls night (laughs) every he you're everything he's just ken it was a very big like you are the son (laughs) from gray's anatomy you are the son not him Mm, i don't know the gray's anatomy reference but i'm gonna nod and be like yeah i get you you know what's interesting too is i was thinking about it more it's like i really do so I had a relationship with somebody we had seen each other a lot over the course of two weeks and I was really missing my friends and I had said like hey I really on Friday I'm just I'm I really want to go see my friends like they're planning this thing I'm gonna go I really miss them blah blah solemn face I'm the response was a very solemn sober looking face And it was just like this moment of like, that's when I kind of knew it's like, this isn't going to work because if you are going to have that response, whenever I want to see my people, we're going to have a problem. No, fuck that guy. Probably has bodies in his basement. All right. What is your biggest takeaway from the Barbie movie? I think my biggest takeaway was neither patriarchy nor matriarchy serves people. It needs to be cooperative. That was my biggest takeaway. I feel like that was a lot of people who's complaining big takeaway too. Like, why don't they want the Kens to do anything? And I was like, well, look how well they were doing at beach and <laughs> overthrowing the government. Okay, but I, I'm not. I'm not angry. No, about I'm just it. saying. I'm just saying. Like, I'm all for co- cooperation with the girls, gays, and the theys. Um, because <laughs> it, it's because it really because it. To me, it was like patriarchy is bad. Matriarchy is not bad, but it's also not inclusive to all the residents who live here. So what is the true solution? We have to figure that out for ourselves in Barbie land. 
you know who disagrees with you robert downey jr have you seen that clip where it's like robert downey jr how do you feel about an entire society ran by women he's like i've oh, been yeah. saying for decades yeah. that that's what's supposed to be happening so i have seen that clip i love that clip i think that if you're only wanting to live in white feminism that is the answer yes, yes. i think that when because i think for me if you want to bring the the levels of race involved if we were one society and racism didn't exist sure but that's not yeah it right yeah. like we have to consider this movie is written through the lens of white racism or white feminism whether or not you agree with that not you specifically but people listening and then also it could be like sort of a satirical commentary on white feminism if you want to go down that road and if that is the true case then like we can't exist within a matriarchy that is primarily through the lens of white feminism correct because that would be icky it would just leave the rest of us women out in a way and it would be just in my mind it would be just like patriarchy in the in the line of but we're equal why are you mad yeah no agreed i think my biggest takeaway is honestly there will be so many days um in september 2023 and beyond where i will have to sit in the feminine joy that was this summer yeah. between the eras tour stevie nicks the barbie movie making friendships for any and every event i should i could go to having those friendships then lead me having those friendship bracelets then actually lead me to friendships with talented people i admire or even just getting my name to talented people i mm -hmm. admire mm -hmm. there will be so many days where i will want to hold in the feeling that i felt for the events of summer 2023 and the feminine joy yeah and i think when it comes to barbie and taylor swift taylor swift is capitalism barbie we know it she's <laughs> probably also white feminism barbie we know yeah. it yeah um at, in the movie when um when margot robbie calls herself stereotypical barbie the little girl goes what up white savior barbie yeah <laughs> There's going to be a lot of flaws, but I got to take the wins where there are wins. And yeah. and if feminine joy is always going to be something that is attacked, then I want to hold on to this feeling that the summer of 2023 gave me. I love that. I love that. And we didn't even touch on the stereotypical typical Barbie of it all, because that literally is the lens that this film is through. She's mm -hmm. supposed to be perfect. She's supposed to be all these things. So you're mad because she was upset because she's getting cellulite. Well, she's stereotypical Barbie. Like, <laughs> Also, I'm sorry. If cellulite didn't exist in Barbie land and all of a sudden I looked at my thigh and it as a woman who lives in the real world if something weird has happened on my skin i was i'm like what do you think that is i mean how the fuck did we open this show your hand had a splotch yeah. on it i'm like what <laughs> do you think this is the end for me like what yeah. do you think? i've been obsessed with my cat's eye goop all week and yeah. it's because i've rubbed lotion into the shower which she rubbed into her eye i've spent this entire recording rubbing suntan lotion in my eye and then being like i can't understand why my eye hurts <laughs> 
but yeah, it would be startling. Everything that happened to Barbie was startling because yeah. it was a surprise that she had never encountered before. Right. Barbies don't age. The fact that she was aging is an alarm moment. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, also, why can't we just take the win that we now all know that Margot Robbie has cellulite or at least let them put cellulite makeup on her? <laughs> that. Okay. Margot Robbie, you did a hell of a job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You did a hell of a job and your oh, outfit slap. I remember something I wanted to bring up and I totally just remembered it right now. And I'm so sorry because I know we're getting ready to close out the show. Go for it. Indulge me. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is why we're good friends um, and collaborators. There's a video clip circulating where Brad Pitt is referring to Margot Robbie as a Barbie when they're doing promo for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she takes serious offense to it. Like, so I'm not a Barbie. Don't call me that. I'm not a Barbie. And people were sort of pointing to that as like a kind of, you know, insert mm -hmm. dumb stuff here. Here's the difference to me when I saw that. A man referring to you as a Barbie because men don't understand what Barbies mean to us, what they are. They're only hearing maybe necessary. They're maybe only hearing the discourse about how she's a detriment to feminism and she sets feminism back 50 years. We heard that speech from, you know, Sasha in the beginning of the film. Um, that was not my experience with Barbies. Barbies were always fun, imaginative, look at what you can accomplish type of shit versus Margot Robbie choosing to be a Barbie versus us choosing to be a version of a Barbie that's empowered, what have you. Like, that's the difference. Like, when a man calls you a Barbie, it's an insult. When right. we call ourselves a Barbie, it's an empowerment. Right. I, um, the thing about Margot Robbie saying that, sh don't call me a Barbie, it, it reminds me of like the fake discourse that people are trying to like stir up about how Amy Schumer walked away from this project. Right. And I'm like, leave Amy Schumer alone. I don't think like now we've all just made up that Amy Schumer thought that she was too good to play Barbie. Right. And I was like, well, number one, she did say the project just wasn't what I thought it was. So I said, no, thanks. Um, and how they're trying to be like, Amy Schumer hates the Barbie movie. She hates feminism. <laughs> she just wanted to be funny Barbie lady. And then making comments about whether or not her body can uh, uphold the Barbie image. And Ugh. I'm like, fuck everybody. What yeah. if Amy Schumer wanted to go to the Barbie movie? What if she wanted to wear the Elle Woods costume to the fucking Barbie movie with all of her friends? Now y'all have ruined it. Yeah. Stop pinning women against one another. That. It was something it, she said a decade ago when she had, when, you know what? I got another offer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I said at some point in the recording that I've never had men show up for me. I want to amend that just ever so slightly. After I found myself in single motherhood, there were a handful of male friends who did show up for me when I did need it. And that really meant the world. Do I know now if whether or not they're a Ken or an Allen? I sure don't. But at the time, it meant a lot. For me, the Barbie movie represents so much. I really did love it from Margot Robbie's portrayal of stereotypical Barbie and her ability to act without words, Ryan Gosling just leaning into being Ken, the sets, the hand-painted and beautiful, reminiscent of the movies before computers got involved, sets, 
the dance numbers and music. Absolutely love the transition from the song Pink being the jam to get the morning going and the lyric change to represent the shift in Barbie. So, so smart. And then, of course, Billie Eilish's song. Well, that just left me weeping. So we're going to leave it at that. I still haven't read any criticisms or reviews because I want to exist in this space where Barbie has reminded me that I have personally come a long way, but yet there is a long way to go. I have so many conversations with people about pop culture, and one of the reasons why this show exists is because storytelling is still very predominantly white, and challenging that, I think, is important. And Barbie is a story of a white girl by a white director who ultimately can walk through the world similarly, but not exactly the same as stereotypical Barbie. It also leaves me to wonder how long before we get to a point where white feminism isn't in charge of feminism and non-white women, especially black women, aren't asked why do you have to make everything about race? It's hard to see and understand the struggles of others when you have no experience with it personally. And I find myself often saying to my white friends, I literally don't know how to explain this to you. So you understand why this is the action or decision I'm taking, or this is the feel, this is why I'm having the feeling I am having. I could probably get away with saying I'm Italian and that be a satisfactory answer for people trying to understand why I'm I'm tan in December. So I I feel like I'm in this weird space of, you know, I understand what it's like being a person of color in America, but I also understand that I could probably explain away why I'm brown and people would accept it and possibly treat me better. Over on Natalie's show, we discussed our manifestations, and if you want to know what they are, you got to head on over to her show to hear them. Natalie has an Etsy shop, No Niche for Nat. It's linked in our show notes, so you can check out her bracelets and other things she has in her store. She is the host of To All the Men I've Tolerated Before, and if you haven't subscribed, do it, because she has some amazing guests coming up to talk about some really interesting topics. And the angle she's taking on these topics, it's not anything you've heard before. We also co-host Still Comfy together, and that show resumes in September. You can catch it on YouTube by subscribing to Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous on YouTube. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is an independent podcast produced, written, and edited by me, your host, and I'm really glad you're here. If you want more fun, join our Jelly Pops studio audience for just $5 a month. The membership gives you access to bonus content, our back catalog, and a social hour via Zoom where we discuss pop culture. It's so much fun, and I would love to see you there. Y'all, thanks for tuning in. Until next time.